So uh, welcome to On the Nose. I am here with Ivy. I'm super excited. She's one of my mutuals on Twitter, uh, now called X. And uh, we're just going to, we've never talked before today, and we're just going to get to know each other and share our conversation with you guys. So how are you doing today? I am doing well. How are you? I'm okay. I got some bad news, so I'm mm -hmm. trying to compartmentalize that because I've been really looking forward to this all week. And mm -hmm. um, so, you know, uh, so I'm I'm excited and nervous about this part. <laughs> and mm -hmm. then, uh, yeah, and I did rage eat some ice cream earlier, which helped. <laughs> what, uh, what flavor ice cream? It was vanilla, but my friend, she sent me like a care package on mm -hmm. ice cream with mm -hmm. chocolate syrup, whipped cream, and bananas. So it was all of that. Yum. That sounds yeah. really good. Like, <laughs> I have some flavors of ice cream I like, but like pretty much if you give me ice cream, I'm going to eat it. Like, yeah. so, and I'll say, I'm like, yeah, it wasn't my favorite, but I'm like, it's ice cream. I'm going to, I'm going to eat it no matter what. <laughs> so that's good. My only like real like aversion <laughs> are marshmallows, mm -hmm. but otherwise like my favorite flavors are like, um, like coffee or whatever. <laughs> Like, I would say vanilla is lower, but mm -hmm. I'll still eat it the same as you. Yeah. Espresso bean is a good one. Um, pralines and cream, definitely a favorite. Um, mint chocolate chip. I know a lot, some people don't like mint, but I was like, I love mint chocolate chip. It's so good. Yeah, especially it's the only context of mint that, that I like for eating mm -hmm. is mint chocolate chip ice cream, but it has to be like a good quality it makes a difference if it's like a cheap mint it's like taste it has a weird shape to the taste it's not right mm -hmm. i definitely agree it's got to be something good so yeah and i would say that's one of the benefits of my health issues like if you have to put like silver lining on it is that mm -hmm. i can't have like preservatives or high fructose corn syrup mm -hmm. or anything so i can only have like the good stuff so it's mm -hmm. you know it forced me to learn about the good stuff and then i was like wow stuff is actually like has nicer flavor nicer texture i can i could do this that's good yeah yes so um so you started doing stand-up comedy uh which i think is like like i mentioned to you i just think it's like super brave you're just putting yourself out there and um i i am hoping at some point you'll share some jokes uh mm -hmm. because I, you know mm -hmm. and but i was just curious like how, like, how did you, like, is this something that you've been wanting to do, like, a long time, or? Yes, yes, actually, it's been something I really wanted to do a very, very, very long time ago, um, but, but to, like, wind the clock back a little bit, or, you know, whatever, which way we go with the way back machine, um, I grew up in a very rural area in the, the Cascades by Mount Rainier, so it was, it was farmland and a small little little town in the 80s um and there really wasn't you know there wasn't a comedy scene out there you know you could you could watch comedy stuff on tv or you know catch something on the radio if it was edited but um so there's no comedy scene so i always wanted to find a place and get to a place that had you know comedy venues and comedy was a regular thing um north north of here you, you're not going to find it very much um but being in portland it's it's dead it's dead center for comedy so 
you know, next stop would either be San Francisco or LA, you know, for a really good comedy scene and stuff like that. So by chance, I happened to find myself in Portland. And uh, as soon as I was here, I began to start to go to the comedy shows and take in some of my my first, you know, watching stand-up comedy for the first time ever in my life. And I'm in my mid to late 30s at that point um, because I'd never been around it. I always wanted to. And so I began to kind of attend the shows and try to get to know kind of the format and, you know, how, how to do things. And then kind of COVID hit um, and everything shut down for a few years here. And as it opened back up, the comedy scene really rebounded very quickly. And it became something that everybody could do um, because places were still kind of shut down and hours were irregular. But in the evening, everybody's wanting to do something. And so I started to kind of poke around with that. And yeah, it was it was daunting at first to kind of find out like, how am I going to get in here to this? And like, are they even going to let me on? Even if I sign up, are they going to cut me? So I, I kind of had to get to know people and people had to get to know me. And so I kind of began to brand myself a little bit and I was like, okay, so I'm not a stand-up comedian, but I branded myself as more of a stand-up comic and performer and entertainer. Um, and so that kind of worked for people to get to know me. And then it got to the point where it's like, all right, well, you know, what's your, you know, what's your body of evidence? You know, people were like habeas corpus. And I was like, uh, let me go out and get that corpse. <laughs> let me get that body in here. And uh, let me set up that dummy and make sure it talks, you know. Um, so I was like, okay, so I'm going to have to just take the jump in. And I really didn't have a lot of jokes and material, you know, earlier this year. I had some ideas in my head of some things. But I decided to, like, focus on on just being being up there on the stage because that cuts down on the nervousness big time. If you're calm and cool in front of the audience, the audience takes that a lot better. If If you're... If you're tight and stringy and nerd and like super nervous, the audience feels uncomfortable. You know, you can make it part of your act. That's fine if the audience clues into that. But if not, they're just going to be like, huh, and then like your three, four minutes will feel like three or four hours, you know, to them and you. So um, that was kind of how I got uh, like a really short version of kind of how I got into it. So, and um, yeah, I was like, it's something I always wanted to do. And I, yeah, I'm super happy that I'm doing it. Like, it's hard. It is not easy, um, even when you know people. And the more you, the more you do, the harder it gets. <laughs> like, it, it doesn't get any easier. Like, if if it's hard for you your first time on stage, it's it's doubly hard the further you go on. Just because of like the pressure to perform, or it's. It's the, the pressure from yourself to do better than you did the time before. So, like, if the crowd really took to you and you told great jokes, you can tell those jokes again, and you can tell them over and over again until you perfect them. But then every mic set you go to... ...and jokes again, and you're just like, in my head, I'm just like, the audience is loving it. In my head, I'm like, oh... Do I have to tell this joke again? But like, you want to find a better way to do it. And you're just like, this last time I was like, you know, I did it this way. And I was like, you know what? I'm going to try that same joke, but I'm going to put a different twist on it or maybe change the ending. And sometimes 
you you nail the ending and it's really good and you're just like yes i got that one like you're like that's a solid joke that's going to be in my lineup for quite a while now so you get to kind of make your own greatest hits and flow with them for a while and you're like cool i don't have to write any more jokes for a minute i could just float on the ones i have right now so you mentioned um comedians like having access to comedians like when you were when you were younger like on tv or the radio or whatever mm -hmm. um my parents had like you know like all the records and stuff mm -hmm. from like robin williams and george carlin and just you know and i like like just absolutely love like i grew up not realizing that that wasn't like a normal exposure for a lot of kids mm -hmm. you know um and we would always watch like the the fundraising shows that they would do on hbo or whatever mm -hmm. with like Whoopi goldberg and um just such a like great era of like comedy and stuff so i was just kind of curious what some of your your favorites were like mm -hmm. when you were younger um growing up um it's it funny you mentioned the fundraisers because there was like the there would be the uh the telethons that would happen on tv and of course you know any tv show that you ever wanted to watch because the telethons were on was gone like yeah. had no choice you're like cartoons no nope, it's it's the easter seals telethon or it's <laughs> jerry's kids or you know lou roll's parade of stars like i still remember those um but it's funny you know because that's actually jerry jerry lewis that was that was doing those it was jerry's kids and stuff like that and i didn't actually know you know that was jerry lewis i knew jerry's kids but i was like i didn't know that was the nutty professor you know the <laughs> you know, <that laughs> thing uh, but i grew up really loving jerry lewis um those are some of the more like the classic ones of course abbott and costello you kind of start you know and those are a little more performer people and not just like stand-up comics but then of course you start to get to like richard pryor um you get into rodney dangerfield uh, i love <laughs> like there's no like i love how the guy always put himself down but like gosh like i couldn't think for a second ever like being disappointed in that guy i always love him sorry my neck is a little stiff there we go no i had about to fall off like a toothpaste cap so um <laughs> and so like i you know then you get into like robin williams obviously i think that was um what was that his set called that life at the met i think that one still sticks in my head where like you you know there was not enough cocaine on the planet for him to do that set <laughs> like just bounced off the wall um but as a kid watching like mork and mindy and seeing him in movies and stuff the way he he moved in his energy like I don't feel I ever copied it. I feel like I recognize myself with it. Um, and so like, I would just bounce off the walls and just like, it didn't have to be a joke as a kid. I could just channel that energy. And I was like, I felt like I was home doing whatever. I didn't care where I was at. I would just behave that way. You know, the whole like nanu nanu, like that kind of yeah. like, this kid thinks they're from outer space and i'm like yeah pretty much um Shazbutt. Shazbutt. <laughs> <laughs> um another one would definitely be um paul rubens um was was massively influential for me um just just in his his attitude and persona of of just wanting to be happy and innocent um really struck with me and yeah Pee Wee was a really weird character but Pee Wee was so innocent 
Um, yeah. <laughs> it always, it always has struck with me. Um, so definitely that. Another influence um, would be another groundling would be Elvira, who, you know, she was, she was sassy and in charge, but she was a little ditzy at times. And I like, I fully relate to that. And so like, I, when I'm in places where I feel like I could be nervous, I just kind of relax and I'm like, oh, okay, you know, that kind of, <laughs> it's a little laissez-faire where like, I don't let the bad things distract me, but I've like, I just kind of have like that attitude that I just always saw that she could portray with Elvira. Um, I was really like that. Um, and then like other, other stand-up stand-up comics, um, I will say this, and, and like I don't know if you know this one, but this uh, emo Phillips, yeah, um, just just <laughs> weird and strange. I was walking down the street one day. <laughs> yeah, and I had an asthma attack. <laughs> then I got jumped in the park, and yeah, I should have heard him coming like that one. <laughs> <laughs> He's like, I went to New York, and I went to the library, and they asked, uh, you know, you know, for proof that I lived there, so I stabbed him. <laughs> <laughs> seriously i i absolutely love that um uh and the, his type of his humor and what are they there is a name for that actual type of joke writing i've looked it up and i probably probably gonna totally butcher the pronunciation um but it's uh, peripodosian i think is the word but i've never heard it pronounced so i don't know yeah I, I, I'm very good at spelling words, not good at saying them. So that's, that is how it's going to be said from now on. <laughs> mm. Mm. And I'm, and I'll, I'll, I'll finish up with your question here, uh, with two other comedians that I think have been influences with me. And one is Stephen Wright. And like, even though he's very like crawl and sardonic and I'm high energy, I love to kind of tap into that because it's the same sense of humor, but I'm, a little more energetic about things you know and he's just a little bit slower you know he's like my friend dave sent me a postcard it had a picture of the earth and said wish you were here you know <laughs> like, i love that i love that you know because you know you sometimes you can just drop your energy like sometimes i begin my shows or my sets um and i'm like i'm grabbing the microphone and moving the stand and i'll just say something like why do they call them silverfish? They don't taste like fish. You know? <laughs> Which I'm glad you like that one. I love that one so much. Like I've been like thinking about it for three days. Like, <laughs> and, like it's it's crazy. Whenever I tell it though, like like sometimes people are just like deadpan quiet. <laughs> yeah, and I wonder if they just haven't. Like I grew up in a house that was just full of them you turn on the lights and they would just go right so like i just i have this such strong association with them that like you picking on them is you know it just works so well um i was i was running that joke through my head the other day and i went to my kitchen sink to run the water and all of a sudden one ran and i was like <laughs> i was just talking about you Hmm. Yeah, I just, I don't know, like, where they're, I know that they're, like, where I'm at and they're where you're at, but I don't know, like, how common they are in other parts of the country, so it could be very, like, you know, regional. 
I never saw them until about 2018 when I moved south of the Columbia towards Port to like Portland area. North of the river where I grew up in the Cascades, I never once saw them ever. I had never heard of them. I had to Google them because I was like, are these centipedes? What are these? And <laughs> I didn't know. And I'm like, silverfish. And this is like, I was like, and that was literally when that part of that joke popped into my head like five years ago. It was like, why are they called silverfish? And like, I didn't. Right. It wasn't until this year that I finally had my answer. They don't <laughs> like fish, you know. <laughs> Yeah. Oh. Yeah, I do wonder where that name name comes from. Where... I don't, I don't <laughs> I've never tasted one, so I can't really say, you know, but if anyone yeah. has ever tasted one, please let me know if they taste like fish. Maybe they taste like chicken. Maybe we could, should call them silver chickens. I don't know. <laughs> They're like, you'll have to find a bug bar and see if they if they even register as edible for the... Oh my people. gosh, there's bug bars? <laughs> there's got to be. There used to be a restaurant in the area that I'm from that was all bugs. And <laughs> and I just called it a bug bar because it's fun. But um, I don't know if it's still around or not. But there's got to be, you know. Mm -hmm. I mean, because it's a thing. I mean, it's a thing. Like in other mm -hmm. countries, when I like mm -hmm. when I was in Beijing and stuff, it's mm -hmm. just there, you know. Yeah. It's normal. But here it's special. Yeah. Yeah, I, I probably would say, like, if I was starving, I probably wouldn't eat silverfish. I mean, you can call them sushi if you want to. Um, <laughs> but, like, Jewish diets, I know with, like, there's certain bugs you can eat and not eat. And then with, like, basically, like, grasshoppers and those type of bugs you can eat if you remove the heads and the abdomens and you'd, like, like toast the thorax and stuff, it's kosher to eat. Um, yeah. But I don't ever anticipate eating silverfish. But who knows, maybe in my sleep, they kind of <laughs> go in one nose and, and out the other. And I'm like, yeah, yeah they sweat like they like go in and swim around. That's where the fish comes from. They go in and swim around and then leave before we wake up. <laughs> yeah, it's like they use their bristle things like push brooms. And they're like, you know, like the chimney sweeps, chim, chimney, chim, chimney, chim, chim, chim. Oh, a, a friend behind you. Yeah. What do you mean? <laughs> they act surprised. Yeah. <laughs> I saw that. They're like, oh, I didn't know you were on camera. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah, he's back there. Before we moved here, mm -hmm. he was my co-host because he would yell. Every time I started to record, he, he would start running around and yelling. But since we've been here, he's been really quiet. But he, he does like to hang out right there. And you can't see him because the microphone is in the way. But he's staring at the screen. <laughs> That's funny. I actually kind of have a joke running in my head about that. And it's, I think it's more of a visual gag, but basically I have this idea in my head where somebody, you know, like you or I are sitting here doing our recording. It's just like, you know, to us, we're just like, you know, hi, Lee, how are you? Hi, Ivy, how are you? We're doing good. Listen, hey, yeah, this is good. And we're like, we know what's going on. But like to, to the cat, they're looking at their human like, what is <laughs> Are, are they okay? Because they don't understand, you know, that there's someone on the other end of a computer or something. And so for them, like, you're sitting there just, like, crying out loud in your room, like... That <laughs> is just like, I am really worried about my human. Maybe I need to show them some affection. And so that's why, like, I think cats will, like, run and jump up again in your face 
He's like, it's all right. You're going to be okay. And like, when you're in, you're like, oh, sorry, my cat just jumped into the room here. And, <laughs> and like, because the cat thinks you're alone. You're like, so it's just yeah, in my it gets, head. It gets concerned. Yeah. yeah. My, my human is having a mental breakdown. I need to just maybe stick their my butt in their face. You know, I don't know what's going on. Maybe I'll wake <laughs> them up out of it. I don't know. So I just, I said something the other day that the greatest inside joke the human race has ever had is the internet because we're the only species that knows about it and can comprehend it on planet earth and possibly the universe you never know but it's just like there's no animal that can understand what the internet is like beside us and so mm -hmm. I, I guess it's our greatest inside joke because <laughs> get it but we do yeah it'll be uh as it as it plays a role in our downfall to become the, the even better and better joke as it darkens oh, right. <laughs> My goodness, this is, you know, not even like a full 30 years of people kind of real. I know the internet's been around for a good amount of time, but it wasn't until like the very like mid to late 90s that like the internet really kind of started to take off as like a social thing. And like, yeah, it's, it's still very young. And gosh, I can't. I don't like act acclimated to it so like basically once the world wide web came out mm -hmm. so i remember because i was online before that mm -hmm. and the world wide web came out and my friends were like check this out and i was like oh great we're going to be using icons which means all the normies are going to be able to use it because they won't have to read to navigate it mm -hmm. and sure enough like it just <laughs> you know it, it that there's so many cool things on the internet but there's also so much ugliness you know, and that was the part that I was like, uh, anti-people, right? But, uh, um, it is fascinating that we've gotten to see, like, this, such a quick shift in adaptation to this technology. I mean, like, you know. It's all routed into it, and it's just, it's so, it's so strange. And, like, I, I obviously, I use it on day-to-day basis. But at the same time, like, if I can find a way to not use it and be not around it, like, I try that as much as I can. I use it to my advantage. Like, when I perform comedy, it's an excellent way for me to take quick clips of my recordings and get them out there to people that would otherwise, before the internet, never know I existed outside of Portland. Like, if I was doing this comedy in, let's say, 1993, you know, unless I made the local news and, you know, an affiliate of NBC or something like that and, you know, played a clip of me or something or I was interviewed, no one would ever kind of know I existed. Maybe I could get a tape or a CD out of my stuff if I went on tour and sold it. But, you know, now, you know, 30 seconds after your show, you can upload it to Instagram or wherever you want and people worldwide know who you are. And I'm like, this is this is a fascinating time. So even though I perform locally, here in Portland and I have you know a lot of difficulty trying to keep up with that like I'm also I'm also known worldwide which is great <laughs> you know people as far you know Middle East or anywhere in the world you know the UK they know who I am and they're fans of me and I was like that's awesome I was like this is for the first time in the history of the world you know I was like this is kind of a neat thing yeah so it is the social component, though, mm -hmm. that allows us to connect with 
people that we would never have had the opportunity you know, is that's the cool part. Like, I remember the first time I wrote an email um, to somebody that was like in another country. And at the time it was uh, utilizing BBSs, so it would have to dial in to, you know, so it made like 20 jumps to get to me. But, um, you know, I was emailing with somebody like in Australia and it was just it was so cool. And now it's so like instantaneous. But for me, like most of my socializing has been online. That's kind of I've just never had good luck with like in person. Mm -hmm. So I do rely very heavily on the internet, but I have like, like my phone's always on silent and oh you know, God. I don't, I don't get notifications for social media stuff. Like I have them turned off. So I just check them when I feel like it. You can tell when I'm having like a day because I'll be on checking stuff more than just in the morning. Cause normally mm -hmm. I just have a morning routine and um, like, yeah, I just try to do things to keep, the balance there you know and since we're talking about that i'm going to take a picture uh real quick so i can mm -hmm. i can put it online later and be like look <laughs> you have the you have the pose for photos down <laughs> i can't i just can't i'm just like so awkward my face always people are like why do you do that with your face i'm like it's just my face <laughs> I can be like, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I could do that. That's that's how like I picture myself all the time. Is just like, yeah, I, I I do think that's actually by default. I don't know. Your photos, you're always like, you know, like you do the smile, but it's actually in your eyes, mm -hmm. you know. Which like a lot of people when they when they pose, their eyes don't get don't get the expression, just the mouth does, and. Mm -hmm. That could be like a little weird looking. <laughs> mm -hmm. Yeah, it's and like you mentioned, like your your social life is is online and stuff like that. And mine is too, which is good because I'm both an introvert or introvert and an extrovert at the same time. Like it takes a lot for me to go out. It takes a lot of energy and like emotional preparation to and confidence to go out and do comedy or even meet people in public. Because most of the time, I'm just like, I don't want to go out and do it. I don't want to do it. I don't want to do it. I'm either beating myself up at home emotionally, or I'm just like, you know, some, someone 10 or 20 years ago was mean to me about something and out in public, and maybe I just didn't want to go out today because of it. I was like, it's weird, you know? I'm like, I don't know. That's part of me. I have social anxiety, but when I get up that gusto to get out and go do something like... I bring my I bring my energy and sometimes it can be a little subtle, you know, um, but at the same time, I have that audacity and that energy. And when I go to meet like another person, you know, maybe they come from the same thing I do or you do where they're just, it's just like, all right, let's go out and see somebody. We're going to go have a good time. And like they meet with me and I'm like, hi, <laughs> how are you? Good. What are you doing? Mm hmm. Like I have just this like this in your face gusto energy and like I can't always control that because it's part of me that's like like a rocket ship tethered down, you know, by a, a rope. It's just like I'm taking off. I'm sorry. Um I'm like I'm either like low energy or I'm high energy. It's it's either way. And like you can tell by how much I'm talking right now, like I can I can talk forever. <laughs> like <laughs> sometimes people are like, oh, she shut oh and i'm like no <laughs> yeah i i can go on a tear the 
where I just like will be super verbose and I can like some I have a lot of friends that are very quiet and that they actually like the fact that I do all the work so they can just come over listen to me go off for like two hours and they're and I'm like I'm sorry I talked so much They're like no it was great it was super relaxing and I'm like okay cool <laughs> but uh it you know but I also tend to like match energy so if other people are really low energy I mm-hmm. I will I will kind of ba- balance them and bring them up and then if they're really high energy I can like chill and like support them and enjoy their energy and mm-hmm. you know I don't need to you know be be the dominance or, or anything like that I just kind of but I I don't I don't know if I'm like an introvert or I, I think I'm just autistic. Like, I just think being around humans is hard for me. Like, I don't, mm-hmm. I f- literally feel like I'm not, like, a part of the human race. Like, when I go out, everybody feels so different from me, except unless I meet somebody that's like me, that um, that a lot of times I don't even really register that there's people around. I just kind of tune them out because I'm like, eh. You know, I navigate them so they don't, they don't kill me with their cars. And <laughs> that's kind of it. But, like, if I do socialize, it's usually, like, one-on-one. And I do prefer it to be, like, in my space because um, it's more comfortable physically and, and, and stuff like that. I go to other people's houses and I can get overstimulated by smells or mm-hmm. their chair might hurt me or, you know. Oh, yes. Um, I totally get that. Yeah. So it's. You know, online is I actually like went the entire time of COVID without ever having like a video call. Like I was not one of those people like mm-hmm. and I actually was a little salty about it because I, I got sick in 2013. And so the mm-hmm. isolation that everybody was experiencing, mm-hmm. I had that starting way earlier. Mm-hmm. Like I had to have people wear masks around me and stuff mm-hmm. like that, like way before COVID. Mm-hmm. And um, so now I'm like, well, I'm just I'm getting to do it now, which is awesome because I can I can see like. It gives me like I have a better mood um, because I kind of have this thing that I can look forward to and I get to socialize, but in a non non taxing way, you mm-hmm. know, So maybe maybe that's introvert energy. I don't I don't actually I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. But it's good, though, that you know that about yourself. That's good. I think that's an important thing um, to know that about yourself and like know know what your limits and boundaries are um and what you set for yourself so that way like you know when you go out you kind of know what you're expecting and stuff like that and or if you stay home you're like yeah i know why i'm staying home i've got legitimate reason to it's not just like i'm staying home for no reason i've got problems like no you know what you're doing and i think that's actually pretty good and i can relate to that going out because when i go out places like i do get sensory overload um it hasn't really happened when I've performed um, because like when I'm out performing, I've got that focus of what I'm doing out there. But if like I'm just at a show or hanging out somewhere and there's a lot going on, I really, really get overwhelmed because I don't have a focus. And like I hear like everything going on I hear everybody's conversations and and it, it just it's, it's almost like I, I can't shut it off. I hear everything that's going on. And like I'll I'll pick up the conversation of two people talking in a bar and like I and like I just cannot stop hearing their conversation. And I'm like, yeah, I almost want to go over and just like tell the both of them, I'm like, hey, you guys, 
your conversation sucks. Okay. Just stop. <laughs> both of you stop talking. I have, I have literally had that thought where I just want to go interject to just be like, you're, you're actually wrong. Here is the scientific explanation of the thing that you're bickering about. And you're both wrong. Like, <laughs> I can't, I can't tune it out either. It's yeah. even stuff like going to the movies. I can't just focus on the movie. There's all the other sounds. There's the reverberation from the bass. There's like, and so I get overstimulated because I can't just like focus in on the movie. And so by the end of the movie, I am like a cranky bitch. I am just like, don't fucking look at me. Don't fucking talk to me. I need to go home and process my experience and we can talk about the movie next week. <laughs> I totally relate to that. I hear everything, the smells people bring into the theater everything and you have yeah. to sit in the dark with these people and you're like <laughs> it's weird and then like i don't know whenever i find my seat nobody ever wants to sit next to me i'm like good because i'll <laughs> stab you <laughs> yeah yeah I, I always try to find where there's like the least amount of people <laughs> and my body's also very picky so i usually end up being a little closer to the front which can work sometimes but i also just try to go like on a monday afternoon <laughs> You know, when there's less people. Mm -hmm. and, um, but ugh, the smells of the popcorn smells like chemicals to me. It doesn't smell like, <laughs> it's not good. you know? Yeah. It's not good. No, it's not good. Uh, yeah, I can imagine that's very rarely do I ever get popcorn at the movie theater. And not there's Kitty having a bath. <laughs> yeah. Good oh. job. <laughs> so pretty. <laughs> I don't get to see their face. Hi, Kitty, Kitty. Oh, he's got resting bitch face, was like, which I love. He just looks so mad a lot of the time. Mm -hmm. Oh, stretching out and having that bath. Yeah. <laughs> That's so cute. I love it. I miss having a kitty kitty. I really do. I just, I have plants. I'm a plant mommy. So that's what I've got right now. My plants are all outside because I used to have like a living space where I could have the plants up away from the cats. Mm -hmm. And then when I moved, I no longer, so they all ended up outside because some of them are not cat safe and then mm. um and then some of them like i have orchids that are like local to this area and they're really really big so those are probably my my pride pride of my plants so uh, you'll see flowers like come uh march i'll start posting as they start blooming because they're they're really cool <laughs> okay he's yeah he's like he'll be two in october oh my oh, happy early so. birthday kitty kitty yeah he was i had another cat for 16 years and we were like very bonded mm, yeah and he passed away and um mm -hmm. i was like i don't want to get another cat right away and then my grief was like i need to get another cat right away so i got him and he's very different but i still really appreciate his uh company and his attitude so much sass <laughs> all of my plants are some type of succulent or cactus so um i absolutely i absolutely love them i've named every one of them and one of them right now i don't know if it's going to hold on i've had it for about two weeks and it was i would consider it a rescue um and it was doing fine but i just noticed like in the last day or so it's looking a little slimmer and i'm like i think it just wants to go but hopefully it sticks around because we're supposed to have some really warm weather for a few days. And 
my my window gets all the morning sunlight between 8 and 11 a.m and the cactus that i have they just the cacti that i have just absolutely love the heat um and hopefully it doesn't die but i'm like if it gives up the will to live okay i don't know what the deal was so yeah most most of my plants are also cacti or succulents and unfortunately some of them died um when i when i moved after my relationship ended and uh they were not i was not able to take them with me and he did not take care of them Mm. some of them died but i still have like a bunch and i'm very glad that most of my plants are succulents and cacti because the area that i'm going to be living has deer and they deer do not eat them it's like one of the few things they don't eat so i'm like oh good i can like i could have my plants outside and not worry about them and and um i have i can't remember the name of it but i have a cacti that as it gets taller it like Mm-hmm. It twists mm-hmm. like a corkscrew. Mm. Um, it's it was one of my when COVID first started. I read mm-hmm. about it and I I was like I will find it online for less than ten dollars and I did. It took me like a month, but I did. Interesting. Is it like a Graptivaria or? I don't know names. <laughs> <laughs> I can't even if I, I look them up and I don't yeah. I don't retain. Um, okay. But I'll send you a picture later. Okay. Before, yeah, I'd love to see that all. I post pictures now and then of my plants on Twitter and stuff like that. Um, but yeah, no, I'd love to see that. Yeah. Hey, and I'm really looking forward to getting in a spot where I can pro- take proper care of them again, just because, mm-hmm. you know, they've been kind of just, they've been, they've been doing really good being patient for me to be available to take care of them again. So it's pretty, I, I think, you know, with the ADHD plants have to, they have to thrive on a little bit of neglect. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, and succulents are good for that so mm-hmm. so have you had like um like hecklers yet like in a live comedy show or online because online yeah like yeah, the internet no I yeah think i've had no, one just, or two like, people harass me on the internet you'd be surprised i know <laughs> <laughs> I, t- I delete comments a couple times a week that people be rude i'm just like delete block mm-hmm. but um no yeah i mean like it like a like a comedy show um for the most part no but i am um, early on i did make i did make a mistake that if if you try too hard to interact with the audience they they may and you don't really mean it they may take you up on that offer and then you're <laughs> like oh shoot wait hang hang on hang on hang on and what happened was I um I had this funny idea in my head, and this is when I was like brand new, and you could probably hear it in one of my early sets. I don't know which one it was, um, but it's a it's a joke I'll like never do again. Um, at least not until like I'm famous and maybe have like security guards. <laughs> Otherwise, <laughs> I had this idea in my head of like, what if you know, like, because I don't like to ever be mean to audience members. Like, even if like they deserve it, I'm still I'm not going to play into their games. But I'm like, that doesn't mean like I can't kind of have some fun. And so I wanted to ask an audience member if I could go on a date with them, and then basically I'd be like, you know, like, okay, yeah, can you and I go on a date? And if they're like, yes, I'd be like, okay, good. Well, hey, I think we should see other people now. Um, and I want to I want to stop by. Um, my friend Stephanie's going to be with me and she's going to help me get my CDs back. Okay. We're just going to go to your apartment while you're not there. Okay. And like, I just kind of wanted to play into that. Like we're having like a, a date and already that like, we're breaking up. 
Like we just need to see other yeah. people. Um, and so I decided to do that and I was in a biker bar and um, I said that to an old guy and he tried to come up on stage because he thought he was really gonna like go on a date with me. And I was like, oh, hang on, hang on, hang on, hang on. And like, he was like calling me sweetheart. He absolutely loved me. This is great. But I'm like, whoa, <laughs> wait a second. That was a really bad rookie move. Don't do that because people will come up on stage and try and like think they're part. I'm like, no, you're not part of my act. Sit your ass down. And it was fun. It was nice. But at the same yeah. time, when you're up on stage, the only thing you can ever control is you. You cannot yeah. control other people and their actions and their behaviors and everything they do. Um, so that's about the much of a heckler as I've had. I've had people, you know, groan and give me a uh, like when I told a joke and like for me, either one works for me um, when I tell a joke because for me that's called traction. That means I elicited a response from them whether it was positive or negative. That means they heard my joke. That means they're aware of what I said whether they liked it or not. And I'm always like, oh, I got it from somebody, you know, I'm like, oh, somebody's paid attention at least, you know, yeah. you know, it's just like if someone takes a bite of food that you made, you know, it's, it's better than for them to just push the plate away and never, never touch it. So, um, right. I really haven't had a lot of hecklers yet. People have been pretty good. In fact, it's, it's been weird. You've heard some of my stuff where people are just deadpan quiet. Yeah like they don't know what to make of me or something like that i'm like i'm not that stand out like <laughs> there's hundreds of comedians in portland and like everybody just like sits quietly like that's so that was like really when i was some of one of the videos there were people that were kind of like they would like talk about your joke while after you told it and there's so there was some chattering there mm -hmm. but the one video was just dead silent and i was just like which one that, which one was it was one? with the with the silverfish joke and it like okay. you know i was just like why you know yeah it's, it is so interesting yeah. i would i would find i would have a really i i would rather like as you said have any kind of reaction mm -hmm. like the, the absolute lack of reaction i would just be like what do i feed off of there's mm -hmm. you know mm-hmm and um, when I tell a few jokes and I can't really get anything moving from the audience, this is something I've picked up to do is let's say I tell you the solarfish joke and you're just like, <laughs> just nothing. <laughs> maybe, maybe. And then like, I, cause I, I broke it down. I do my, I do my intro with crowd work. I tell my first joke. Uh, I tell the body, which is the second joke. And then I go on to the last one. And so I'll tell the silverfish joke as my, my intro, my crowd work as I'm moving the microphone around. And I can get something out of somebody or if they don't, whatever. It's just me getting started. And I'll do my first joke and they're like, okay, they kind of laugh. I do my body, the main joke. And I'm like, by that point, I'm like, okay, I'm clear to go on to my third one. And I'm like, it's about 70 seconds. And I'm like, I'm already about halfway through my set and I'm like, okay, so I'm going to do something that doesn't require me to wait for the audience's reaction. Um, so basically it's not like where I'm like, Hey, what do you get when you, uh, you know, uh, you, you flip a doopla doo and then, you know, like to wait for the audience, like to react to that. I'm like, I'm like, I'm past that. I was like, let's go on to like, my final joke would be like a performance one where 
I can perform for the next 70 seconds and the audience can shut the fuck up as if they're not even there and I can finish out my set. And at the end, they'll be like, you know, <laughs> that kind of thing. Cause that usually happens. And so, you know, I'll just, I'll step into, you know, whatever I decide to, is going to be my final thing. And uh, lately it's, it's been, you know, my dear Nicole joke or skit or show tune. I don't, I have no idea what it is. It's just stand up comedy. And, you know, I change up my voice a little bit like this. And it's harder doing this because I'm actually sitting down. So I'm like, my, my like gut is like, and my diaphragm are kind of leaning together. Whereas like when I'm standing up, I can kind of exfoliate myself a little better and breathe and inhale, exhale. So it's a little harder doing voices sitting down because my fat gut just gets in the way. <laughs> but you go into like the last 70 seconds where like, I don't even got to worry about them. Like I gave them a few laughs in the beginning and now I'm just going to do my thing if I'm not getting any traction from them and, you know, things like that. And, you know, um, basically, uh, like what's, what's some of those lines from that, that poem? It's like, I have the hardest time like memorizing it. And it's weird at the weirdest times I'll have all the lines in my head. But if I think about performing it, I'm like, shit, what were my lines? No. <laughs> There's one last thing I'd like to say from one to another. Goyle, that's gay. Don't take this, this as anything moil. It's a burn so bad you wish you do it as a child. You know, that's that's <laughs> Nicole. That's one of my favorite ones. I wrote, it, I wrote it backwards in my car on the way back from the McDonald's one day. <laughs> and I was like, don't take this, this as anything mild. It's a burn so bad you wish you died as a child. Okay, what can go with that? <laughs> <laughs> I'm glad you said it again because with the sorry, my um, headset is kind of annoying here. Uh oh. There we go. Um, because with the with the voice, I have mid mid range hearing loss, mm -hmm. so I have a really hard time with voices and certain frequencies. Mm -hmm. I was like, I can hear that you're talking, but I don't know the words. And as soon as you said it again, mm -hmm. I was like, okay, I got it, I got it. <laughs> Yeah. Um, and when I first performed it, I just used my regular voice because I was like, I had no idea. And then I was just like a month later, I was like, I'm never doing this again. And then I I decided one time during stand up at the last second, I was like, you know what? What if I did this in Ellen Green's voice? And Ellen Green, she was the gal that was in a Little Shop of Horrors. She was she was Audrey. Uh, and she absolutely loves seeing more and we still books, <laughs> you know. Um, and I always loved doing that voice growing up, um, because I've never had like a very masculine voice or anything, it's always very feminine, so I was able to pull it off. And so I tried that that one this one time, and I was just like, Here I am, I have no idea if I'm gonna be able to pull this off. And I just I went ahead and did it, and I was able to like nail every line of it just perfectly and it's just stuck with me ever since just really using kind of a heavy like i guess new york accent like very super exaggerated like instead of saying mild it's moiled you know oil or something like that it's very new york and i actually ran it by somebody that's like from new york and i was like how does this sound and they're like that's pretty good i'm like thank you i was like okay so it meets that so yeah um <laughs> Yeah, and I don't remember if like there was a question, but I, here I am just going off on everything. So I, I don't remember either. <laughs> but, oh, I I guess to start with the 
the heckling, but it. Oh, okay, it, yeah. Yeah. But yeah, so after you do a set, do mm-hmm. you feel like depleted or do you feel like you, high from it? You feel high as fuck. Um, and that's the, also the problem is because you, your ego is so high up. You are so high up from that, from the crowd applauding that you got up there and did that, that the crash on the way back down is just, it's devastating. And like, it's very depressing. Like you'll quickly go from, yes, I got it to, I was fucking terrible. I fucking hate myself. I'm not doing this shit anymore. My jokes are stupid. You know, like you, like I really like beat myself up over everything, even though like, you know, you've told me like my joke, my friend told me, you know, he told my joke at dinner and I'm just like, (laughs) me? Like, get out of here. I'm like, people hate my shit. When I perform, people are like, <laughs> so, yeah. it it is you do get that high you get that really crazy crazy sensational sensational high that you can't you can't get this high from anything else there's nothing else on earth that could get you this high in this in this direction um and i can only imagine what happens because i know a lot of the comics they're either like drunk or they've taken who knows what fucking pills when they get up there because i've seen it i'm like holy shit this person doesn't even know they're up there right now but for me it is a big high and like i love it and then like yeah you you want more you want you want more again you want to do this again and you're just like the idea of living without it is also very depressing even for a short amount of time i'm just like wow, I need to get the fuck back out there and just get on a microphone and just say something because I, I can't I can't live away from it. I'm addicted to yeah. it. Seems like of all the things to be addicted to, this is not a terrible one at all. It's, it's ego. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> as long as you don't turn into a monster during the day, right? <laughs> right, yeah. Keep myself in check. <laughs> Just trying to imagine what that monster would look like. Just be like, I, I am funny. I am funny. <laughs> you win every, <laughs> you win every argument because you go, you don't agree with them, and you just go, but I am funny. <laughs> um. Yeah, I was thinking about like there was a that that tweet with the what, you know, there's nothing you can't name anything better than sex. Sweet. And, I, and I was like, oh, I got a list. I got a list. But like riding motorcycles was one of those ones that has like, there's a high to it. Not not just like, not just like commuting to work or whatever mm-hmm. that that was like its own thing. But like when I would go do track days, mm-hmm. because it's it's all about like, um, you're performing, but you're you're performing for yourself. Mm-hmm. And it's all about control. And you spend the whole day like, you know, getting your lap times better and stuff. And there is definitely like a, a high to it. And it, it sticks around for a couple of days because you're like, God damn, I'm a badass. You know, I pulled 10 seconds off my lap time with this new track that I've never, you know, that one quarter was perfect. You could remember how it felt like, like every time you went through it. And, um, and then like, I don't ride right now um, because of my health issues. And I, I went through like probably about three years of, uh, every time I saw like motorcycles that were the kind that I like to ride, I would get like really, really sad, you know, and, and like be like, I got to go to the other room, <laughs> you know, and um, had to like basically mourn it. So I, I kind of 
I can't relate exactly, but that's kind of like my relation point to to what you're saying, you know, about the high and mm-hmm. the idea of like not being able to do it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I I can definitely understand that. Um, I've always wanted to ride a motorcycle, and I never, I've never had like I rode on it when I was a little kid. I was like four years old, and my dad, you know took me down the country road to the, the corner store like a few times on his old motorcycle. But my dad was like 22, 23 years old back then, which is crazy yeah. to think about. Um, but I've never actually like ridden a motorcycle like myself, like, you know, behind the bars. Um, I've always wanted to, God, I've always wanted to just feel that experience of like the open road with the motorcycle and just like, there's nothing else hindering you there's no other distraction it's it's just you and the machine and i'm like yeah. i think of i think of everything that's in my car that i have to deal with and just imagine stripping it everything away and just leaving me with like you know a piece of metal rubber and two tires and a little tiny engine and that just goes fast and i was like that would be That'd be fascinating, like just to yeah. hit the cu- hit and you're, open country on a. Motorcycle. And you're so like on a motorcycle, you're in the elements. Mm-hmm. Like when you go through a microclimate and you go through a warm patch or a cold patch, mm-hmm. like or the shade or a smell, the cows, like <laughs> like all of it. You're you. There's no avoiding. And in a car, you're so disconnected from mm-hmm. from the environment that you're in. You know, it's. I always tell people if they want if they want to learn how to ride a motorcycle the just go take the MSF course, mm-hmm. uh, the Motorcycle Safety Foundation course, because you basically pay money. They put you on their motorcycle. Mm-hmm. You get to ride their motorcycle, um, and then you get a taste for it. Plus, you get the training, and and um, and then you can decide from there if, if you're like, yeah, I want to add this to my life, or no, I don't want to. But I actually think it should be required as part of like driver's training um, for people, because I think it would make cars drivers a little more aware of motorcyclists on the road. Sorry for the sudden interruption, but we ran a little bit long. So this conversation will be continued on next week's episode. Thank you for hanging out and listening. I appreciate you guys. And I hope that you have a great week.